Okay, Loshim B'mitra Megillah. Okay. So Amiyat Hashem, next Sunday is Purim. Everyone's getting ready. Um, there are numerous fascinating halachic sugyas when it comes to Purim. Um, in fact, most specifically, a lot of the very interesting um, pilpul in halacha, <coughs> which has always fascinated me, and unfortunately I've never had the chance to actually study um, in the, you know, sort of exhaust it, if exhausting it is even a possibility, is the Purim and Shushan Purim, which is relevant more to people in Israel, of which cities do Shushan Purim, which cities do the regular Purim, which cities perhaps do both, and if a person is traveling, exactly how do you determine this room at the table, Meishi? Exactly how do you determine... Same price. Exactly how do you determine... Um, Anyway, there's lots of uh, interesting sugyas, and that's the way it is. When it comes around Yom Tif, there's lots of interesting sugyas, and not enough time to learn them. But anyway, so today's topic is the women's obligation in the midst of Megillah. Now, the Mishnah in Kedushin tells us, general principle, um, I assume most people here are familiar with this principle, that time-bound positive mitzvahs, mitzvahs as man grammar, women are exempt from. Um, there's various reasons given why, but... Not the, the point right now. The, the principle is, as exceptions to the rule, the principle is that any time-bound positive mitzvah, women are exempt from. Women don't have to say halal on Rosh or halal on Yom Tif. They don't have to sit in the sukkah. They don't have to hear shake lulav. They don't have to hear shoifer, etc. They don't have to wear talis and tefillin. All of these things are because they are mitzvahs which are bound and governed by time. Um, that's the principle. Now, the Gemara says in Megillah, Omer Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, try to remember that name because it might come back to it soon, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, Noshim Chayovis Mikra Megillah, women are obligated to read the Megillah, even though Megillah is obviously a time-bound mitzvah, it only applies on Purim, because because they were also included in the miracle of the salvation of Purim. Toysus over there f- dwells on what what does it mean afhin hoy boysenes the principle of afhin hoy boysenes we find three times for three about three mitzvahs first of all here Megillah they're, hi- they're obligated in Megillah because afhin hoy boysenes Second is by Hanukkah. Women are also obligated to either light or for their home to light a Hanukkah menorah because they were also included in the miracle. And thirdly, the four cups of wine on Pesach. Women are also obligated to eat, to drink, sorry, because they were, they were also saved by Pesach. Now, Toysus initially suggests that doesn't mean, doesn't just mean, that they were saved by the miracle, it means that they brought about the miracle. Um, when it comes to the Megillah, obviously the heroine of the Purim story is Esther. So because the miracle was brought ar- around by a woman, therefore women are obligated in the midst of Purim. The same is by Hanukkah, that because the beginning of the downfall of the Greeks was through the heroic actions of a girl called Yehudis, who broke her way into the general and uh, got him drunk and killed him. So, um, so, so that's also why Hanukkah they brought about the miracle. And the same is for the four cups of wine that the Chamedrish says that that our ancestors were redeemed from Egypt in the merit of the righteous women of the generation who had mysterious nefesh. Uh, perhaps more than the men, and specifically the Gemara talks about the mysterious nefesh that they had to continue having children even in those very trying times. So as a schus of that, they were redeemed. That's Toysus's first chat um, in in the in the word Afhein Hoybeisenas. However, Toysus says that the word Afhein Hoybeisenas they were also in the miracle um, doesn't. 
imply that they are the heroines of the miracle. It just means that they were they were also saved. The men were saved, and the women were also saved. So, Tosus prefers the second pshat. Um, some there is a tisefta which we'll get to soon, and that says that freed slaves are obligated to hear the Megillah. Now, in general, the, the slavery worked in a way that it was Ebed Knani, who was a non-Jewish slave bought by a Jew, who then became quasi-Jewish. The Gemara says, he's not, a, he's not a Gentile, but he's not a Jew either. He's somewhere in the middle. And his obligation to do mitzvahs is the same as women. So he's obligated to do all mitzvahs that women are obligated to do. Um, and then, once, when, if at any point the slave becomes freed, he then becomes a full-fledged Jew. So the Tisafta says, which is a Baisatanaic teaching, that freed slaves are obligated to read the Megillah, which would seem to be obvious, um, because a freed slave is a full-fledged Jew. Just parenthetically, doesn't he have to do another tefillah? Like yes, he does have to do another side. another immersion in the mikvah when he becomes freed, yes. Um, now, the Aruch HaShulchan suggests he suggests that the implication is that an, an Eved who is not freed, an Eved Khrani, does not need to read the Megillah. Why should that be? So the Aruch suggests that according to the first explanation of Tesis, we could understand it. Because if the reason why women are obligated to read the Megillah is because they brought about the miracle, so then that reason wouldn't apply to slaves because slaves didn't bring about the miracle. Now, it's not it's not 100% convincing because there's a principle that they're obligated to do all mitzvahs that women are obligated to do. So even if the reason why women are obligated to do it is because is because they brought about the miracle that doesn't perforce tell you that it's only women and not so anyway that's uh, by the way okay there is another Gemara there is another Gemara in Erechin which says everyone is obligated to read the Megillah it, sorry, everyone is obligated to read the Megillah, and Hakol Kesherin Nikris the Megillah, and every, all people are kosher to read the Megillah. The implication being to read the Megillah for other people. Now, we'll see soon more details, but th- basically, the mitzvah to read the there's no mitzvah to hear the Megillah. Mitzvah is to read the Megillah. Now, there's two ways halachically to read the Megillah. One one is to use your mouth to read the Megillah. And the other one is to use a mechanism which we've discussed numerous times before of Shemea Ka'ina. When I hear somebody else saying something, halakhically that's considered as if I am actually articulating um, and verbalizing those words. So, Dan, when you go to Shul and Purim, you have an obligation to read the Megillah, but you might not use your mouth to read it, you might use Shemea Ka'ina to read it, but the <coughs> result in the halakhic pre- spectacles, the result is the same. However, Okay, one second. So the Gemara says that everyone's obligated to read the Megillah and all are, all are kosher to read the Megillah. In other words, every, all people are valid to read the Megillah on behalf of other people and for them to fulfill their Shemea Ka'ina reading. And then the Gemara says, La Asuye Mai, what does it mean, Hakoil, everyone? Who, who are we, why does the Gemara need to tell us everyone can read the Megillah? Who, who might you have thought can't read the Megillah? The Gemara says, "Like three notion this comes to include women who you may have thought can't read the Megillah because it's a mitzvah as man grammar, a time-bound positive mitzvah." But the Gemara is telling us that they can read the Megillah, the Amr Rabbi Shua ben Levi, because in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Shua ben Levi, which we mentioned before, that Noshim Chayavis b'Mikra Megillah, women have to read the Megillah she'afin hoy beisanes because they were all they were also included in the miracle. Now, in order, th- what's important to understand over here is that in order for a woman to read the Megillah and be f- discharge somebody else's obligation through Shemea Ka'ina, they have to actually be obligated to read the Megillah. Because the, one of the conditions for Shemea Ka'ina to work is that the person reading it has to be uh, obligated to do so. So, for example, 
um, you can't hear Kiddush from somebody who's under Bar Mitzvah. Why? Because the person under Bar you might be hearing the words, but the person who's, who's, saying, who's reciting the words is not obligated to say them. He's a child under Bar Mitzvah. And so, um, he can't, uh, you can't, it doesn't work. Uh, similarly, for example, a, per a man could not fulfill the mitzvah of shofar by hearing it from a woman, because a woman is not obligated to hear the shofar. She may choose to hear shofar, but to blow shofar, but she's not obligated to. And a man is obligated. So when a man wants to fulfill his mitzvah of blowing shofar, so he could either blow it or he could hear another man blowing it. But it has to be another man over by mitzvah because it has to be somebody else who is obligated to do it. Now, it doesn't have to mean some, be somebody else who's obligated to do it right now. It can be somebody who's already blown shofar today or already made kiddush today. But it has to be somebody who, at least in principle, has the same um, obligation as you. And we'll see soon that not only does the other person have to be obligated to do so, but they have to actually have the very exact same level of obligation as you. So, for example, there is a mitzvah in the Torah, you eat, referring to bread, and you become satisfied, and then you have to bench. You have to bless Hashem, praise after meal, benching, it's a mitzvah, a biblical positive commandment. Now, the wording in the Torah is, you eat and become satisfied. So the mitzvah de raisa, the biblical obligation to bench, only takes effect when the, if a person is satisfied. What if you only have a small piece of bread and you're still hungry? So then, on a biblical level, there's no obligation to bench. But on a rabbinic level, there's a mitzvah to bench as soon as you've eaten a kazais and olives bulk of bread. So imagine I'm eating with a mark, and I just had half a slice of bread, or a slice of bread, and he had a whole meal. And I'm still hungry, but there's no food left, and I'm going to have to go home and finish my meal. So can I bench loud and, uh, and do Moetzi Mark? I'm not able to, because my obligation is only on a Derabana level, and Mark's obligation is on a Deraisa level. So there, Shemeyah Kaina wouldn't work. So here the Gemara says that everyone is kosher, even women are kosher to read the Megillah, because... Women's obligation, is, it would seem to suggest, that women's obligation is equal to men, because because they were also um, saved by the miracle, they therefore have an obligation to read the Megillah, which is exactly the same as men's obligation. And therefore, a woman can read the Megillah for a man as well. And that's indeed what Rashi says right there in that Gemara and Eirechen. So that women are kosher to read the Megillah, and to discharge males um, their obligation to read the Megillah. Now, so we're going to enumerate uh, about five or six opinions on women's Megillah readings, but this is the first one, in the opinion of Rashi, that women are exactly equal to men and they can read the Megillah for a man. Now, um, there is a question which I'm not going to discuss today at length of Koel Erva. that means it's forbidden for a man to hear the voice of a woman singing. So, assuming that the woman is going to be reading the Megillah with the trap, um, that would seem to be a violation of Kabbalah. However, that's not really. I just want to point out that it's not necessarily directly connected because that's a side issue. Which, you know, what if it's what about a, a woman reading for her son or for her brother or for her husband? You know, in such a situation where there wouldn't be a, a problem necessarily of Kabbalah, or if she's reading it without the trap, whatever. I just want to say there is an issue of Kabbalah, which we may mention again soon, but. Let's, let's leave that aside for now. Rashi says that a woman can read the Megillah for men. Now, there is a second opinion which says that women cannot read the Megillah for men, not because there's any difference in the nature of the obligation of women and men, but because it is zila buhu milsa. It is disrespectful. It's not covet it's, it's not disrespectful to the congregation to have... Um, 
a woman reading the Megillah for the congregation. Now, Zilabim also can be understood in many ways. In fact, some actually suggest, I think the Kolboi says that the reason why a woman shouldn't read the Megillah is because of Kolboi Shaerva. But the Toysvus actually connects this to benching. Now, there is a machloikas in the Gemara where the women are obligated to bench midiraisa or midirabana. But, um, if you say women are obligated to bench midiraisa on a biblical level, then a woman can be moitzi a man in benching. However, the Gemara says, the Brisa, I think, says that it's if somebody doesn't know how to bench and he needs his wife to bench for him, that's not really the way things are supposed to be. A person should know how to bench himself. Um, but either way, it's considered disrespectful or, or not, I'm trying to think of a good word for Zilu Bohomilsa, not, uh, not appropriate for the community to have a woman reading the Megillah for the community. Now, the Mogan Avram, by the way, when he mentions this reason... It seems like a community. I mean, uh, the community. Sorry? Which Gemara? Okay, so... Okay, so the Gemara in Eichen says that a woman can read the Megillah. But here, this is the Toysus and Sukkah, which is based on the Bahag. Now, we're going to discuss the Bahag soon. But the Bahag says that a woman can't read the, the, the Megillah for men, for the Rabbim. And the Bahag says that... Y- yeah, one second, one second, one second. second. Okay, we can get there. Okay. The Bahag, the Baal Halachas Kedoilis, who was a kuf of the Goinim, great halachic authority, and he says that a woman can't read the Megillah for the Tzibur. Now, there are a number of ways of understanding why the Bahag says that. So, what I've just presented to you is really the first way which Toysus brings in Sukkah. Toysus understands the Bahag differently elsewhere, which we'll see soon. But Toysus in Sukkah understands that the Bahag's problem with me- women reading the Megillah is because Zilo Bahamilsa, it's not appropriate for a woman to read the Megillah for the community. And similar to the idea of benching, that is not appropriate for a man to be a woman from a, be- for a benching from a woman. A woman to be mighty a man. Right, or for a man to be yoked to the woman. Well, one second, one second. We're not talking about Kabbalah right now. Um, I, what, is, what is the Bahag? Akiva's asking, what's the Bahag going to do with the Gemara and Erechen? The Gemara and Erechen said that a woman is can read the Megillah and be made to the others. The Bahag will say that that means that, the Bahag, that a woman can read the Megillah for another woman. Or for other women. One second. But for sure, for other women, according to the Bahag, now, in Shulchan Aruch, before we go to more opinions, let's see what it says in Shulchan Aruch. In Shulchan Aruch it says, Erechaim Simen Tov Reish Beitaz, chapter 689. Everyone is obligated to read the Megillah. Anoshim, men, unoshim, women, v'gerim, v'avadim, shukharim, converts. Just like all mitzvahs, when I has to educate children to hear the Megillah. You discharge your obligation either by reading it or by listening to somebody else read it. Um, and therefore, and you have to hear, and you, and you have, to, in order to be yotzer from hearing, you have to hear it from somebody who is obligated to read it. So you wouldn't be able to hear it from a child. Now the story. From what we see, so lefichach. Therefore, if the person reading the Megillah was a child or an imbecile or a deaf mute, so the person hearing from him would not be yotz because they are not obligated to read. Now, this, so far, I've just read you word for word from the Shulchan Aruch, and the story so far would seem that a woman can read the Megillah for a man. Right? He said, men and women are obligated to read it; children and imbeciles are not. And therefore, if you hear it from somebody who's chayev, so as long as it's not a child or an imbecile, who's not? Right? So the first opinion presented in Shulchan Aruch is that men and women are exactly equal, which would be the opinion of Rashi, which we mentioned a moment ago. Second opinion says the Shulchan Aruch, that women cannot be moitzi men, their obligation. This yeshaimrim l'choyra means... Uh, one second. 
Bechayra, one could say, one could, this Yeshemir means this second opinion which we said, that it's Zila Bahumilsa, it's not respectful to the congregation for a woman to read the Megillah for a man, and for the congregation, and therefore women can only read it for women, not for, not for men. Now, on this Shulchanara, on this piece of Shulchanara, the Magan Avram um, notes that. He, he quotes the words that a woman can't be mighty a man, and he says like this, One cannot compare Megillah to Ner Hanukkah where a woman can be mighty a man. Megillah is similar to Kriya Satayra in that it's not covered Hatsibur for a woman to read the Megillah to the congregation. And that's the reason of the obligation is covered Hatsibur. As Magan Avram, a woman therefore cannot be made to even an individual man because we don't differentiate There's a con- we, we like to make blanket all-encompassing rulings we don't like uh, believe it or not we don't like making exceptions to the rule so, so, so even though the reason for a woman not to read the Megillah is to, for men is because it's not COVID we then extend this um, this pr- uh, limitation that women shouldn't read the Megillah even for an individual man because loy plug. Even liyachid, I feel a liyachid. Even to a female too, no? No, 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 because it's, uh, it says that a woman shouldn't read the Megillah for an individual man because of loy plug. That's the first two opinions. Now, there is a Tesefta. Tesefta is also a Tanaic teaching. It's always very important to know if what you're saying is a Tana, Gemara, Goinim, Rishonim, because generally speaking, the people from the, the members of the later period don't have the authority to argue on something which was already established earlier. So the Tefta, sometimes you do have various opinions within Tanaic sages or within Thick. Anyway. So the Tesefta, Tanaic teaching, has, says as follows. Everyone is obligated to read the Megillah. Kayanim, Leviim, Yisraelim, Gerim, converts, freed slaves, Chalolim, which is a disqualified Kohen, Amams, Nesinim, also disqualified lineage, Mamzerim, Amamzer, Sris Adam, Sris Chama, a person who is infertile in various ways, Ptsudaka, Khrushchevcha, a person who has damaged procreating organ. All of these people are obligated to read the Megillah and they can discharge the public their obligation in hearing the Megillah. Tumtum Vandreginus. Now, Tumtum means somebody who is of un, un, unclear gender. We don't know. There's, um, the Gemara says it's covered up. It means that, that some sort of disform. We can't tell if they're a man or a woman. Um, and androgynous is and- androgynous or hermaphrodite, somebody who is uh, oh. both. And nowadays we have in, in, in modern medicine they talk about they have very fat. You know they could they usually what they call and- androgynous nowadays androgynous is not fifty fifty. It's um, usually usually not always, but usually it's somebody who's ninety five five or something like that. You know it's ninety five percent a man, but there's a bit of female. Um, but uh, the Gemara talks. That's everybody. <laughs> the Gemara talks. Uh, anyway, I once had. The, you could speak to your local plastic surgeon. Yeah, I'm sure that. Don't tell yeah, us your uh, problems, yeah. though. I'm not. I'm telling yours. <laughs> I'm mentioning yours. Okay. Anyway, let's uh, please. Okay. okay but uh, the Gemara talks about an androgynous in the sense of somebody who's fifty-fifty. But the point is, androgynous. Basically, we always have to assume. Um, we. A tumtum, somebody who we don't know what he is. So you, if you have two tumtums, so one might end up being a man and one might be a woman. Andragonus is neither or both. So the Gemara says that a tumtum can't read the Megillah for another tumtum because if it would, the Tisefta, sorry, says, because if it turns out that the, that the one reading it is a woman and the one hearing it is a man, then it doesn't work. But an Andragonus can read the Megillah for another Andragonus because they are both of the same stature. This is t- the Tisefta. That would clearly go against Russia. Clearly. Yes. There is no way of synthesizing, as far as I know, the Tisefta with. Well, that's not true. That's not true. One second, we'll get that in a minute. Nashim Ba'avadim Muktanim. Then the Tisefta finishes that women 
and children and slaves. Peturin are exempt from the Megillah. It seems to imply that they're completely exempt. And they don't can't discharge the public their obligation. Now, by the way, before we get into analyzing what the Tisefta said about women, I'll just mention, by the way, it's a, it's a very strange Tisefta for a number of reasons, but one of the strange things is that we find by many mitzvahs, enumerations of who's obligated and who's exempt from doing the mitzvah. Yeah, there's a mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel, of going on Yom Tov to, to, to the base of Mikdash, and the mission in the beginning of Chagiga enumerates, yeah, everyone's obligated unless somebody has a, is lame, if he can't walk, then he's not, whatever. All the, but some of the people here, like somebody who is crushed testicle, I mean, why would that affect their obligation to read the Megillah? What, what's the connection? Or a mamzer? Why would you think that a mamzer doesn't have to read the Megillah? So, a very late source, the Aruch HaShulchan, is, it's interesting because he's sort of the only person who, who, who dwells on this, and he says something quite original. Um, he says that perhaps because the Sukkim and the Megillah emphasize a lot the, the, the idea of progeny, Aleyam uh, Zaram, it talks about that the Yidden accepted the, the mitzvahs of Purim for them and their children, and it's mentioned a number of times about the family. So he says, you may have thought that only somebody who is able to have children or able to have legitimate kosher children um, is, part of the, is part of the picture, so the Tisafta is telling you, no, everyone has to do the mitzvah. Be that as it may, the, t- the, tisefta, the simple reading of the Tisafta would suggest that women don't have to read the Megillah at all. They are completely exempt from reading the Megillah. However, Toysus in Megillah and the Rosh and others say they actually ask basically Akiva's question that we have here a Gemara in Eirechid that says that women can read the Megillah for others. And we have here a Tisefta that says that women are exempt from reading the Megillah. Now, according to Rashi, who says that the Gemara in Erechim means that women can even read the Megillah for men, Rashi has no way of synthesizing the Gemara in Erechim with the Tisefta. He'll have to say that they are arguing with each other, and Rashi Paskins like the Gemara in whatever, that's fine. But Toysvus tries to bring them closer together. And again, based on the Bahag, who says that women can't read the Megillah for men. But before, when Toysus and Sukkah quoted the Bahag, Toysus explained that the Bahag says that women shouldn't read the Megillah for men because it's not respectful of Kavit HaTzibur. Now, Toysus, the way Toysus brings the Bahag over here, and the, not just Toysus, the Rosh and other Bali HaToysus over here say that the reason why women can't read the Megillah for men is because women have a different obligation than men. Men have an obligation to read the Megillah. Women have an obligation to hear the Megillah. So, when the, when the, when the, according to this reading, when the Tisefta says that women are exempt from the Megillah, it doesn't mean they're exempt. It means they're exempt from reading the Megillah, but they're obligated to hear the Megillah. And when the Gemara in Erechim says that women can read the Megillah, what it means is that women can read the Megillah for other women. Why? Because, like we said before, in order for Shemeya Ka'ina to work, the two, the the reader, the list, the reader has to have at least as big an obligation as the listener. So, um, for a woman who's only obligated to hear the Megillah, can't be mighty a man who's obligated to read it. But a, but a woman can be mighty another woman. So, according to this understanding of the Bahag. When you and your wife go to shul to hear the Megillah, you're actually doing two different things. She's hearing the Megillah, and you are reading the Megillah via a mechanism called Shemea Ka'ina. So even though they look and sound very much the same, conceptually they're actually very different, and therefore a woman cannot be Maitzi a man. Now, I said before... Could she be Maitzi another woman, though? Yeah, why not? Because if it's all about... Shemir Kaina. Listen for someone else's listening. It's like a very. Why not Shemir Kaina? But like you have to hear. Uh, just usually, yeah. you know what I mean. Like you, you both have to hear. So like. Well, the, you, your question is, can she read for herself? Because if you read for yourself, you're hearing yourself. <laughs> if, right. If she, also, yeah. Lemaisa, the yeah. <laughs> a woman, according to this, a woman can read for herself the Megillah. Sorry. 
because when she reads it, she's also hearing it. And could a deaf person, I'm sorry, could a deaf person read the Megillah? A deaf person, can a deaf person, well, you're talking about a deaf person who can speak, obviously, so he's chayv b'mitzvah, so, but can he read the Megillah? So you want to say that a deaf person might be able to read it for men, but not for women, because he can be chayv b'kriya, but he can't be chayv b'shmiya. Oh, that would be, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, was, I wasn't adding that second point, but yeah, I was just wondering if you... Yeah, so but maybe... it's still not the same level of... Okay, fine, Korean. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's... Well, yeah, exactly. Okay, let's not get too carried away over here. Now, I mentioned to you before that the Shulchan Aruch brings two opinions. The first opinion is that a woman can read and be Moetzi man. The second opinion is that a woman cannot be Moetzi man, which seems to be the Toysus that just says that a woman can't be married to a man because it's not respectful. Then the Ramah, who is for Ashkenazi Jews, um, the leading authority, and his glasses on the Shulchan Aruch, he says, There is a third opinion, says the Ramah, that if a woman reads the Megillah for herself, she doesn't make a bracha like it says in the Siddur, Al-Mikra Megillah, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to read the Megillah, she says, the mitzvah of the bracha who has commanded us to hear the Megillah. Because women are not obligated to read, they are only obligated to hear it. Um, others say, Lishmaya Mikra Megillah, to hear the reading of the Megillah, to hear the Megillah, to hear the reading of the Megillah. Now, so, the story so far would, be, would basically emerge as follows, that for a Sephardi Jew who follows the Shulchan Aruch, the Sephardi Jews don't have to worry about what the Ramah says, usually. So, the Sephardi Jew does follow the Shulchan Aruch, whose first, the, 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 the law that he presents in the, at first is that a woman is equal to a man when it comes to Megillah. Then he says, that a woman shouldn't be made to a man, which is the opinion that a woman shouldn't be made to a man because it's zilabu milsa, it's not respectful. And, um, and that, so, a Sephardi Jew, well, but the Eved, in other words, if a Sephardi Jew already heard the Megillah from a woman, then he's for sure okay. Because if the reason not to read the Megillah, uh, for, for hear the Megillah from a woman is only because it's disrespectful, so then, or because because to hear a woman singing or something like that, so then, if after the fact, well, you've done it already, uh, there's no essential <coughs> problem. She's also, the Shemeya Ka'in, in other words, the second opinion is that Shemeya Ka'in works. The mechanism works. You're just not allowed to do it because it's disrespectful. But if you did it, it works. It's worked, right? So for Sfadiju, but the Yavid, if he's right after the fact, he's for sure okay. And even before the fact, so the Mechabah says two opinions, and the first opinion which he presents, sort of usually the, when the, he says the first opinion which is presented, uh, it's called Bistama, without any, and then he says, and some say, da da da. So usually the general thing is that you follow the first opinion. So it would appear that for Sfadi Jews it would be simple for uh, a man to hear the Megillah from a woman. Now I'll see soon that there's other reasons not to hear the Megillah from a, for, for, for a man to hear the reason, Megillah from a woman, which would apply even to Sephardi Jews. But but anyway, as far as I know, to the best of to the best of my knowledge, there are no Sephardi around this table. Mark's wife, I believe, is a Sephardi. But you are Sephardi, yeah. Okay, but anyway, but for Ashkenazi, for Ashkenazi Jews, we have the Ramah, who says that a woman cannot be married to a man because she's only obligated to hear. It's a different obligation. The Shemeika in the mechanism wouldn't work. Yemenites are not Sephardim. Yemenites are not Sephardim, but it's... They don't have the same in Hagen, but to to the best of my knowledge, (laughs) the Yemenite Jews do not subservient to the Pesachim of the Ramah. But anyway, Yemen Jews might not be the Mechaber either. Anyway, let's... let's (laughs) No, in certain things. Anyway, now... They have their own laws for 2,500 years. Let's not get too too off track, too sidetracked. The curious what the Yemenites think as well. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> then where are we up to? Okay, next is a Gemara in Yerushalmi. 
The Yerushalmi says, Jerusalem Talmud. Barakapara Omar, Barakapara says, Tarek Likreisa, what happened? Tarek Likreisa, Lifnei Noshim, Lifnei Ketanim. One must read the Megillah in front of women and in front of children. Sha'af Heim Hoyah because they were also in the threat of being annihilated. Reb Yeshua ben Levi, remember that's the same person, Reb Yeshua ben Levi, who said in the Babylonian Talmud that women have to read the Megillah. Reb Yeshua ben Levi, Ovid Cain, he did as, as Bar Kapara said, Machnish Bonoi Ubnei Beisoi, and he gathered his family and he read the Megillah in front of them. Now, what the Yerushalmi might be saying, and this is the way, for example, the Vilna Gaon understands the Yerushalmi, is. Um, one second. Is that basically for whatever reason women should read the Megillah from men should women shouldn't be reading the Megillah men should be reading it men should be reading the Megillah and that's why he gathered his family and read the Megillah um, to his family why not now this is the same Rabbi Shur Ben who said that women are obligated so either you could say because it's not respectful like we said before it's not covered that's it before women to read the Megillah for men or because women are only obligated to hear but they're not obligated to read whatever the case is however some have suggested that the Yerushalmi is actually saying something entirely different which again wouldn't really affect Halacha Lamaisa because we don't pass like the Yerushalmi but nonetheless it is an opinion to be mentioned and that is that the, essentially what the Yerushalmi is saying is almost as if Women don't really have to read the Megillah. Men have to read the Megillah to women. In other words, why do we read the Megillah on Purim? It's called Pursume Nissa. We want to publicize the miracle. The same thing about lighting, we spoke about lighting the Hanukkah candles outside. Pursume Nissa, that's why we read it, in, 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 we read it at night and at day. Pursume Nissa, to publicize the miracle. Now, when you're excited about something and you're trying to publicize it, you talk about it to everyone that you know. So, a man has to read the Megillah, but he has to read it to women also, not because women are obligated to read it. Women, um, women are exempt. It's a time-bound positive mitzvah. But the man has to read it to his wife because, because, because he has to be going around telling everyone about it. Right? Uh, perhaps, um, there's an obligation, by the way, for those around the table who are married, there's a mitzvah, midiraisa, uh, could be a mitzvah to buy your wife a gift for Yom Tov. It's coming up Pesach, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. To buy your wife a piece of jewelry, a new clothes item, or something that's going to make her happy for Yom Tov. Now, it's not a mitzvah. It's not a woman doesn't have a chiyuv to wear a new dress for Yom Tov, but the man has an obligation to buy his wife a dress, right? Because it's the man's obligation to be misamit to, to make his wife happy on Yom Tov. So. Again, it's something that the woman does, but it's really the man's obligation, right? So, it's, it's, when, when the Yerushalmi says one has to read the Megillah in front of women, and Rabbi Shub and Levi did so, it perhaps seems to suggest that this is an obligation on the man to read the Megillah in front of women. <coughs> the primary, the primary, one second, the primary difficulty with this chat <coughs> is. Well, first of all, it's clear from the Rishonim that they didn't necessarily understand the, the Yishami this way. But additionally, it would be strange to suggest so because it's the same Rabbi Shua ben Levi, the same Tana, who in the Bavli is recorded as having said that women are obligated to read the Megillah. <coughs> so however you understand what the women's obligation is, if it's to read it or to hear it or even to read it, but Kovit Hatzibur, whatever, whichever way you go, it means that they have an obligation to read. So that, to then come and say that the same Rabbi Shua ben Levi uh, sort of changed his mind almost, and um, and said that no, it's just men's obligation to read it to women. Is that doesn't uh, is not uh, doesn't seem lo- uh, logical to suggest so. And Persimonisa doesn't have to do with your family necessarily. It could be any two people. Yeah, and it doesn't. And it doesn't. It wouldn't necessarily even in that chat. It wouldn't necessarily mean. It wouldn't necessarily mean that every man has to do it to his wife or to his women. And it could also mean that all women have to hear it. But women have to hear it in order to facilitate making sure that men have told it to everyone. Not Which we yeah. don't find elsewhere so much. That you're, yeah. The only obligation of the other person is to fulfill 
the person doing it's obligation is very strange. A similar thing for Nero Shabbos, perhaps. It's not, it's not exactly the same. But also, lighting candles was really the man's obligation, which a married man would then discharge by making sure his wife lights candles. She also but has the obligation. Yes, but if she's, she's but if that. she's ma- but if she's married, then it's her husband's obligation. But it's both. I mean, if he yeah. doesn't do it, she has to do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm asking. Okay. Now, now we come to perhaps the most important, the most uh, interesting source. We mentioned before the Morgan Avram, who says that even according to the reason that a woman shouldn't, a woman shouldn't read the Megillah for men is because Kovat Sibur, it applies even to an individual, that she shouldn't read the Megillah even for an individual man, because we don't differentiate between the two. The Morgan Avram then says, however, something else. The Ramos says that if a woman reads the Megillah, she makes the bracha instead of Lishmaya Megillah, she makes the bracha, sorry, instead of Al-Mikra Megillah, to read the Megillah, she makes the bracha to hear the reading of the Megillah. <coughs> the Ramogan Avram then says, however, of a medrash Hanel Amrus, on the hidden or obscure medrash on Rus, the obscure medrash is otherwise known as Zohar Chadosh, which is a section of the Zohar Kosav, it says over there, the Lois Sikral Asma, a woman should not read the Megillah for herself. Rak Tishma Mehaonashim, a woman should dafke hear it from a man. Now, this is an opinion that we've never heard before. We've heard about a woman reading it for a man, or a woman not reading it for a man, but only reading it for other women or for herself. Um, or a man reading it for, even in the Yushalmi, we had a man reading it for a woman. But here it's saying that the woman can't read it for. Herself, she must have hear it from a man. What could possibly be the reason for such a view? Now, actually, um, the gra, the gra, what does the gra say about the woman of Rome? One second. If you open up the Zohar Chodesh, it doesn't actually say what the Morgan Avram says it says. And the, the Bira Hagra um, understands that the Zohar Chodesh just means to say that women shouldn't read it for other men. Like, like we said before, either, whichever reason, either because they're only obligated to hear and therefore they can't read it for men, or because of Kovat Atzibur or Kovat Erva. And the Chaya Adam, also a very prominent Pesach, says... Um, says the same, he says Zoya Chodesh Rus doesn't say this and um, you know, don't worry about it. However <coughs> however um, however, however the Morgan of Ram says so. The Morgan of Ram says that a woman should only hear the Megillah from a man. So what's the chat? So it's interesting that of all people to sort of make a lambdas to try and work out what the Morgan of Ram means, it's Rav Yoshebeir of J.B. Soloveitchik. Why that's interesting is because it's specifically in the modern Orthodox world today where there is a lot of push for trying to, as much as possible, give women so to speak, equal rights within the shul, in the framework of halacha, and, uh, you know, for, for, for women filler groups, etc., 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 and it's specifically the Posek who's considered really the head, of, of the, the founder almost, of the modern Orthodox community, um, is the one who sort of dwells on this Morgan of Ram, um, so that's interesting. Uh, Lemaise, I uh, looked it up, it's interesting that in Chicago, uh, there doesn't seem to be any Orthodox women Megillah readings, even by women for women. Uh, whereas in other communities, for example in London, uh, there are quite a number of Orthodox schools that have women reading the Megillah for women. Not for men, but for women. Um, now, the, the way Rav, Rav Salvechik explains the Morgan Avram is that 
basically he says that women, according to Morgan Avram, women don't have an ob- women have an obligation to, like we said before, women have an obligation to hear the Megillah, not just to read the not to read the Megillah, but to hear it. But it's not just to hear it; they have to hear it from a Bar Chiyuva. In other words, they have to hear the obligation of Megillah is on men to read the Megillah. Women have an obligation to hear it from somebody who's obligated to read it. So, because he's sort of just giving a bit more, like explaining the mechanism in a way, that therefore a woman can't hear it from another woman because a woman has to hear a, quote, obligatory reading of the Megillah. And therefore, a woman could only hear it from a man. Now, I want to, there's more to say, but I both? feel... Sorry? What if they do both? What does both mean? From, from men, then they want to make their own thing again. Well, once they've been yet to the midst of it, I mean, you can read it again, but you can't make a bracha once they've been yet to the midst There's more to say, but I, I, th- I get the feeling that, that people are. Well, sorry? Why would that be the case? Okay, l- l- let me finish off over here, then we can talk afterwards. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to sort of wrap up and, and speak something else just for a few minutes, very, what's very practical for the Megillah reading. Um, besides everything that we've said now, there is also a mitzvah to hear, specifically when it comes to the Megillah, to hear the Megillah B'Roivam, which means, first of all, ideally it means a minion, to have a minion, but even, even if you have a minion, you're supposed to specifically look for, uh, to go to shul and to hear it with the community. It says clearly in Shulchan Aruch that even if you have a hundred people in your house, you should go to shul to hear the Megillah. Right? So, the primary reason... The best way for a woman to hear the Megillah is just like it is for men, to go to shul and hear the Megillah, Berevam, etc., etc. Now, if that's not possible, let's say a woman who has children, so the second best thing is to go to, they have in most communities, they have it here in the Mesivta, there's a reading every hour on the hour, and you go and hear the Megillah, and it's not with the shul, so to speak, but it's almost, it's basically the same idea. What if that's not practical? Yeah, let's say this could commonly happen at night, the kids are already sleeping, whatever it is, a woman has a baby, she wants to hear the Megillah at home. So fine, so she's not going to be able to have Um But, um, but it's still best to hear it from her husband and not from her, to read it for herself or for have another woman read it to her because we have the opinion of the Mughal Avram that says that a woman should have to hear the Megillah from a man and additionally the, an, another thing with the there's, a machloik, there's two opinions in the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah as to whether or not women count for the minion as far as Megillah is concerned so um, some have argued that if you have a woman's Megillah group uh, where there's a a brave am, there's many women um, so that's good, that's just as good um, as having it in shul but it's not quite exactly as good because in shul you have a minion of men which according to some opinions is um, the best way to do it so that's the machlokas in the thing Okay. now I want to just uh, that's a summary and I want to summarize something else which is very relevant to the practical fulfillment of the mitzvah of Megillah um, I don't know if everyone's going to be here or elsewhere. There's Matzah Shabbos next week. Obviously, next week we're not going to have a shir. It's going to be we're going to be busy with Simchas Purim. Um, maybe it would be appropriate to have a shir, but uh, there's also Miftoim and to go and help other people do the mitzvahs of Purim. So it's not going to be possible. Um, but the mitzvah of the Megillah is to hear every single word of the Megillah. Now, what happens if you're standing in shul? Now, those of you who are going to be here, Belineder, I'll do my best to try and read slowly and clearly, and you should hear every word and loud. Um, but, uh, but I'll be Miyat Hashem. Last year, last year I lost my voice in the middle of the Megillah. It was last year was also Miyat Hashem, no? Or was it not? I don't think so. No, it wasn't. The fast was before. Oh. Yes, yeah, so maybe because I was fasting. I had difficulty last year in my voice, but it was also a much bigger room. It was actually a tent, so it was much di- more difficult. To, to, it was in England, um, but anyway, Is but a tent here? no, this was in England. Oh, um, now, so you have to hear every word. Now, the it, most people are not going to be following within a kosher megillah; they're going to be following along in a chumish. Now, it's very important to follow along, not just to sit back and listen, because according to many opinions, you have to. You can't just be hearing the words. You have to be listening to the words, and even if you don't understand what every word means, 
But if you're following along in the Hebrew, then you can listen to every word. If you just sit back and listen, um, then chances are you're going to wander off into dreamland at least for a few seconds here and there. And according to many opinions, that disqualifies the Megillah So whilst we do do that for people, and we go on the same read, to pe- read for people who are just sitting back on their couches, but it's definitely not the ideal way to do the, the mitzvah. And the ideal way is to bring with a, I mean, I'm sure this is going to be here in short, whatever, the, you, f- you follow along word for word inside. What happens if you miss a word? You coughed, you sneezed, uh, the Balkaira mumbled a word and you didn't hear it, or a kid was crying, and whatever it is, you missed a word. What do you do then? So I'm going to summarize what has to be done for people who are following in a Chumash, because I'm assuming that people around here, most people, are not going to be following in a Kosher Megillah. So even though the mitzvah to read the Megillah is to read it obviously from a Kosher Megillah, um, however, you can read the Megillah, if you, if, if you read a, sh- a short part of the Megillah, Baal Peh, not from inside the Megillah, which by heart, but in this context by heart could also mean reading it from a printed Chumash, um, then you're right. So provided that A, you're not doing the majority of the Megillah that way, and B, that it's not an Indian Shalom, you're not doing a complete complete passage. You know? No single complete passage can be read that way. Now, so therefore, um, if, I, if you hear the person reading and he says, uh, and somehow when he said you sneezed and you didn't hear him right um, so then you could quickly say from your Chumash however when you say he's saying so then you haven't heard so what you have to do is you have to read along until you catch up to the Chaza, to the to Balkaira however if you're not so familiar it's very, it's very important to read the words exactly right Right? If you say um, Ritz Pass instead of Ritz Fast, for example, that could be the difference between a coal and the floor. So two completely different words which look very similar. So if you are going to do that, you have to make sure that you're actually reading each word exactly properly. So what's more important is to try and listen. And most Balkaris, and I give explicit permission if anybody thinks you know, you can say no, and I'm happy to go back a few words um, if you feel, if, if, if there was noise and you missed something. It actually comes in very relevant um, when you say Haman and people start banging. What I personally do is, I think most people do this, is that after the banging is finished, what happens if people start banging when you said Hama and before you said Mon? They're already banging, so not people, right? So after the banging is finished, I'll repeat the word Haman in case somebody. Uh, somebody missed th- that complete word, um, but and of course, if it really, if something really bothers you, disturbs you, then afterwards there's always uh, second and third Megillah readings for the latecomers, and you know there's always ways to make up. But uh, but definitely try and listen to every word, and if you miss the word, then you can read and catch up from your Chumash, provided that you make sure to read every word um, accurately. You technically, if you heard from 